We don't have to wait. Segment 2, New Age. Society is part of the solution. Introduction. A revolution in France. On Parshas Vayeshev 5752, the Rebbe discussed the Alter Rebbe's view that the freedoms granted by the French Revolution of 1789 would be harmful to Yidden. Though it would grant Yidden liberty and prosperity, it would result in a weakening of Torah and Mitzvahs. So completely did the Alter Rebbe seek to distance himself from France that he refused used to live under French occupation during their 1812 invasion of Russia. As the French army approached Liadi, the Alter Rebbe departed rather than live under French rule. Over the years, the Rabbeim viewed France as inconducive to Yiras Shamayim and invested little effort in Afotzas Hamayonis there. Yet, it is astounding to see how much has changed in the last century. Today, France, and especially Paris, is a center of Torah and Yiddishkeit, with many institutions of Torah and Tefillah, including yeshivas and Chabad houses. Sfarim of Torah and Hasidis are published in France and the country has become a center of Hafotzas Hamayonis. The Rebbe explained that this is a symptom of Mashiach's imminent arrival. As we approach the era when the world will be revealed to be one with Hashem, more and more countries that formerly had few Jews and fewer Jewish institutions are emerging as centers of Torah and Yiddishkeit. This curriculum presents the conceptual progression from a world that seems to be separate from Hashem to a world that is one with Hashem. Overview of Segment 2, New Age, an integrated approach. The fusion of Maila and Mata, the above and the below, godliness and worldliness, is a central principle of Hasidus. Last month, we learned about this synthesis within the person, the fusion of Nefesh Bahamis and Nefesh Elikis, body and soul. This month, we will learn about it on a global level. There is a school of Jewish thought that argues that holiness can only flourish when we are segregated from worldliness. This is clearly at odds with the approach of Hasidus, which views Dira Betachtonim as the principal goal of Torah and Mitzvahs, and of creation itself. There are innumerable stories of the Rabbeim making holy use of seemingly mundane and perhaps even negative objects. For example, the Rebbe called the largest Jewish children's organization in the world, Tzivis Hashem. He used the ranking system of an army, an institution dedicated to violence, to incentivize children to do mitzvahs. The Rebbe once instructed artist Michael Schwartz to create a true-to-life character for talks and tales about which adventurous stories could be written in serials similar to the Dick Tracy comic strip. Instead of shying away from anything that smacks of secularism, the Rebbe leveraged it as a tool to teach Torah and spread Yiddishkeit. We don't need a greater illustration of this concept than the fact that the Rebbe's Fabrengens were featured on cable television. Similarly, the Rebbe made use of satellite digital communication to stream Hanukkah Live, simultaneous Hanukkah lightings around the world addressed by the Rebbe. The Rebbe explained this on two levels. A divine instrument. The first explanation is that Hashem created the world for His glory. This means that everything in this world is inherently designed to serve Hashem. It is true that we have free choice and can use certain things inappropriately, but that doesn't change their inherent nature and purpose as instruments of holiness. Just because serials were used to tell secular and perhaps also inappropriate stories doesn't mean that they can't be put to good use. Even as the Rebbe admonished Hasidim to eschew television and not allow them into their homes, he made Jewish use of them for those who own them. Total convergence. As deep as this explanation is, it barely scratches the surface. The true reason for the synthesis of worldliness and godliness is that they are inherently one. The world is not an instrument for godly use. The world and godliness are one. This is a profoundly Mashiachtika idea that the Rebbe discussed at length throughout the years of his Nesias. On the surface, there can be no greater contradiction than the world and holiness. When you pass by an army base, for example, where soldiers are trained to kill, you don't associate it with holiness. But the essence of Avedes Habirurim is to refine and uplift the lowly world, including its lowest parts. How is this accomplished? The Rebbe outlined a four-step program. The four steps. One, the first is to go to war against the world, eat only for holy purpose, conduct our business strictly according to halacha, etc. This way, the food that we eat and the business that we conduct are conduits of holiness. The problem with this approach is that they are only holy because we impose our holiness on them. Otherwise, the world would remain worldly and lowly. This is why Hasidus introduces the second stage. 
Two, the second stage is to purify the world peacefully through Torah study. When we learn in Torah about kosher and treif, they are revealed to be part of Torah. They are no longer worldly, they are godly. Our Torah study bathes them in an aura of holiness that weakens their worldliness and makes them holy. The drawback is that they are only consistent with holiness because we uplift them from their lowly state. In their lowly state, there is still a gap between them and Hashem. This is why Hasidus introduces the third stage. 3. In the third stage, we learn Hasidus, which discusses holy subjects, such as the Neshama and Hashem. This reveals the inherent truth about the world, that everything is part of Hashem, that the world itself is drawn to godliness. This occurred in the era of Shleime HaMelech, when the nations were drawn to the Beis HaMikdosh, and the world's greatest scholars and dignitaries were drawn to Shleime HaMelech. 4. Mashiach is the fourth stage. When Mashiach comes, the essential truth about the world will be revealed in every place and in everything. We will not need to leave our lowly state to perceive our godly truth. We will see with our physical eyes that the true identity of every created thing is Atzmus Umohus, the very essence of Hashem. Living with Mashiach. This is the element of living with Mashiach that we will learn this week. To live with Mashiach means to perceive the world today as it will be perceived when Mashiach is here. To see the world as part of Hashem and to reveal Him in every aspect and feature of the world. When we pass by an art gallery, for example, we consider how art might be used for Avedis Hashem and Afosas Hamayonis. Can we organize a Jewish art exhibition? Can we invite an artist to lecture on bringing still lifeless scenes to life? Might art be used as a moshel when we teach Hasidus? We need to realize that if we can't find a proper application, the fault is in us, not the art gallery. This is the true reason that Rebbe perceived every feature of the world as a tool to serve Hashem not only because it was created for Hashem's glory, but also because it is itself part of Hashem. There is no gap whatsoever between the world and Hashem. The Shlichus Enterprise. This convergence is illustrated and accomplished most profoundly by the Rebbe's Shlichus Enterprise. For years, the Rebbe's Shluchim moved permanently to places around the world and became part of the community. It was always understood that the purpose was for the Shliach to have a permanent influence on their community. On Parshas Vayeshev, 57 752, the Rebbe revealed that there was a deep Mashiachtika concept involved in living permanently in one's Makam If Shluchim would visit for a while, they might have a tremendous impact, but it would be from the outside. The place itself, its culture and customs would not acclimate to holiness. A Mashiach approach is to reveal that the unique characteristics of every location, its climate, culture, habits, and norms are all features of Elikus. Each is a touchpoint for Torah and Mitzvahs a platform for the dissemination of Yiddishkeit. This can only be achieved by shluchim relocating permanently to every part of the world. The shluchim teach Torah through the local language, dialect, idioms, and culture. They utilize popular features of local custom for holiday and educational programming. Thus, the whole world is revealed to be one with Hashem. No place is too distant, lowly, or unholy. Every place in the world can be a unique center of Torah, consistent with its unique mannerisms and culture from which Torah can be taught to the entire world. Thus, the Shlichus enterprise is revealed by the Rebbe to be not only a means to bring Yidin to Yiddishkeit, but also a program to prepare the world for Mashiach, taking liberties. This is why France has undergone such a transformation over the last century. The liberties that the Alter Rebbe foresaw to be dangerous to Yiddishkeit were only dangerous because we were mirrored in a gullus state. As the era of Mashiach approached, the world's true nature began to emerge, Thus, today, we are free to live as we choose, and it is not a threat to our Yiddishkeit. Instead of viewing our liberties as freedom from Torah and mitzvahs, our liberties grant us the freedom to choose Torah and mitzvahs. Today, millions of Jews live in democracies around the world that grant their citizens freedom. More and more, people are choosing of their own volition to embrace Torah and mitzvahs. This is the greatest indication that Mashiach is about to be revealed. Let's live with Mashiach today and merit to see Mashiach revealed. End of lesson introduction.
Section 1. Integration. A. No conflict. When we look at the physical world, we don't perceive godliness. When we look at Hashem, we don't perceive worldliness. On the surface, the two seemed locked in perpetual conflict. Indeed, throughout the years, many Jewish sages felt that Torah and holiness can only flourish if we eschew and segregate ourselves from worldliness. Hasidus, which sets Dirabetachtonim as the defining purpose of creation, disagrees. Hasidus argues that Maila and Ma the above and below can indeed be integrated. Features of the physical world that are often used for secular or hedonistic purposes were actually designed to be used for holy purpose. Text 1, Midrash Meis Rabbah 35, 1. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish said that the world was not worthy of using gold. Why was it created? To be used in the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash. End of text 1. Many people were led to sin and overindulgence because they had too much gold. Nevertheless, rather than denying us gold, Hashem granted it to us so that we can use it for holy purposes. This demonstrates that gold, like every other feature of the world, can be integrated with and used for holiness. Text 2, the Rebbe Sefer Asich is 5748, page 593. <speaking in Hebrew> With respect to the development and revelation of technological devices, that were revealed in recent generations. Though they can be used for purposes that are counter to the Torah, and some, God forbid, do in fact use them this way, they must nevertheless be used for holy purposes, to spread Torah and Yiddishkeit, etc. This pertains especially to those who use such devices for business purposes, because this is the reason these natural capabilities were created, and why these wisdoms were revealed, as I have explained on several occasions. End of text 2. From the very beginning of his Nasius, the Rebbe utilized technology to teach Hasidus. The Rebbe's Fabringens were carried live first on the radio and later on cable television. Similarly, the Rebbe encouraged Tanya and other classes to be taught over the radio. The Rebbe converted vehicles into mitzvah tanks to carry the message of Yiddishkeit to the streets. The Rebbe utilized clowns, entertainment, and parades to encourage Jewish pride. The Rebbe wanted Jewish children's magazines to be published in styles made popular by the secular media. B. The instrument. Why, indeed, doesn't the Rebbe view worldliness as a threat to holiness? After all, if I were running a business, I would stand to lose a lot of money if I chose to keep Shabbos. There are countless such examples that seem to indicate that the world stands in opposition to godliness. The Rebbe's answer, text 3, the Rebbe Lekutei Sichis, volume 1, pages 1 and 2. Be'eis es duchzich, as zulib der weltlicher natürlicher Ordnung ist das im schwer, oder gar umeglich, is beschaß er der when it appears to us that the natural worldly order renders a certain mitzvah, difficult or impossible. We must remember that Hashem looked into the Torah and created the world. He created the world through the Torah, the Asarom Amoris. When you take the perspective that the world's entire existence derives exclusively from the Asarom Amoris in Torah, it follows that the world is intrinsically incapable of impeding our practice of mitzvahs. The very same Torah through which the world was created proclaims, I am God, your God, and all the 613 mitzvahs. End of text 3. I might think that keeping my store open on Shabbos would earn me more money, but that is simply not possible. The world can't conflict with Torah. I might earn more money, but it won't be spent wisely or on healthy things. The world itself adopts this perspective. Text for the Rebbe Sefer Asichis 5748, volume 2, page 590. Ha Torah megalo amitis ha shall call dover. Hainu, she hashimush 
הדבר צריך להיות מסעים לאמיתס מציאוסי וטבעי של הדבר שבאילום, כשמשתמשים בעל פי הירועס התירא. ובאם לא יכן חס ושולם, הרי זה לא רק היפך התירא והיפך רוצן השם, אלא גם היפך המציאס והטבע של הדבר ההוא. The Torah reveals everything's true identity and purpose. This means that our use of a physical item must be consistent with its true identity and nature, meaning we must use it in accordance with the Torah's instructions. Any deviation is not only in conflict with the Torah and Hashem's will, but also in conflict with the item itself. End of text 4. The sacred purpose of every object is not extraneous to its existence. Rather, it lies at its very core. For example, the internet is not evil, nor is it a natural power that can be harnessed for good or bad. It is inherently predisposed toward holiness and designed to be a vehicle for holiness. When someone uses the internet to embezzle funds or to waste time, it is akin to someone using a Monet or a Rembrandt as a cutting board for vegetables. The paintings are by no means neutral. The artist had a very specific purpose in mind when creating their masterpieces. When someone uses their free choice to misuse the masterpiece, it runs counter to the masterpiece's inherent nature and purpose. Similarly, when we use the internet, one of Hashem's creations, in a way that is incompatible with Torah, we run counter to the internet's inherent nature. Why then do we so often experience aspects of the world as impediments to holiness and godliness? Text 5, the Rebbe Sichus Kedish, 1740, volume 3, page 6.26. If you see something that was created by Hashem, but you can't figure out how it can be utilized to serve Hashem, it doesn't mean that the item can't be used to honor Hashem. After all, the Mishnah states clearly, everything that Hashem created in His world, He created only for His glory, of a 6.11. Rather, it is because it is empty within you, Dvarim 32.47. It appears empty because you are empty. You fail to see how this item can be utilized to glorify Hashem because you haven't worked hard enough to utilize everything for Hashem's glory. Instead, you use it for mundane, insignificant, or even shameful purposes. If the king presented you with the crown jewels and you put it to insignificant and unimportant use, it would be an affront to the king. The same applies to Hashem. Hashem created the world and everything in it for His glory. Quote, Everything that Hashem created in His world, He created only for His glory. End quote. This means that Jews should utilize it to glorify Hashem. It is self-understood that if a Jew uses even one thing in the world for purposes other than to glorify Hashem, especially if it is used for mundane purposes or even worse, insignificant and shameful purposes, it is an affront to Hashem. End of text 5. The fact that some people are distracted by the internet doesn't prove that the internet is bad. It proves that these users are lacking. The solution is to improve the way we perceive and use the internet. After all, this is the essence of Avedas Habirurim. In summation, the school of thought we mentioned at the outset, which considers certain aspects of the world a contradiction to holiness, is not the view of Hasidus. Hasidus re-
rejects this view categorically and sees the world as a natural tool for Torah. Section 2, the Mashiach perspective. Everything that we said till now merely scratches the surface of the Rebbe's approach. Over the years, the Rebbe taught us that in truth, the world is not merely a tool for godliness. There is a total convergence between the world and godliness. They are one and the same. Though worldliness seems to be different from godliness, at its core, every aspect of the world is a part of Hashem. This truth is so profound and astounding that it will only be revealed when Mashiach comes. However, to make this happen when Mashiach comes, we must work toward it today. Text 6, the Alter Rebbe Tanya, chapter 37. This ultimate perfection that will come about in the era of Mashiach and Tchias HaMesim, meaning the revelation of the infinite light of Hashem in this physical world, depends on our actions and toil during, throughout, Golos. End of text 6. How do we work toward godliness when there appears to be such a huge gap between godliness and the world? For this, the Rebbe unveiled a four-step program that brings us progressively closer to our ultimate goal. A. Steps 1 and 2, in war and in peace. The first two stages begin with the supposition that the world and Hashem are separate things and they need to be brought together. There are two ways to combine them. One is by declaring war against the world, the other is by recruiting it peacefully. Text 7, the Rebbe, Sefer HaMa'amorim Malukit, Volume 2, page 182. Bringing the world to Hashem through tefillah is the war model. The hour of tefillah is an hour of war. Bringing the world to Hashem through Torah study is the peaceful model. The difference between war and peace is that when we wage war, we engage and confront the enemy directly. In a peaceful model, we remain in place while directing a powerful light toward the enemy, and the enemy surrenders spontaneously. The same applies to the models of Torah and tefillah. To bring the world to the animal soul, which serves as a metaphor for worldliness to Hashem through tefillah, the godly soul must engage the animal soul directly, as it is known that meditation during tefillah can only impact the animal soul if we meditate on concepts and in a language understood by the animal soul. By contrast, when we study Torah, the world is elevated spontaneously. When we learn in the Torah that certain things are permissible and other things are forbidden, they are spontaneously uplifted. End of text 7. The Aved of tefillah is to persuade ourselves to embrace Elikus because Hashem is deserving of love even from the perspective of the Nefesh Abamis. This is called battling the Nefesh Abamis, as the reading explained. There are many other arenas in which such inner battles can play out. Mealtime, business time, and social hour are just a few that come to mind. In each of these, the physical pleasures or mundane pastimes that would otherwise have enhanced our worldliness can be made to enhance our holiness. We accomplish this by engaging these behaviors directly and changing the way we do them. This is a battle that co-opts these activities for godliness, which is called birur bederech milchama, elevation through war. Then there is a peaceful method. Instead of battling to avoid the forbidden or change the way we engage with the mundane, we learn about them in the Torah and reveal them to be part of Hashem's will and wisdom by shining the light of Torah on pleasures, activities, and pastimes, both permitted and forbidden. Their impurities are cancelled 
killed. Their opposition is neutralized and they become part of the Torah. This is called Birur B'derech Menucha, a peaceful elevation. Each of these is an effective mechanism, but neither is complete. Each has a downside. The downside with the war model. Text 8, the Rebbe Ibid 6, pages 35 through 36. The Inyan who the Bishalim Shenasa Ayyade Habirur Shne Ifanim Shen is Batel Hamanaged Vaifin Zehubi Iker Behabirur Bederach Milmaila Lamato the Habirur Bederach Milmato Lamaila Shehamevarir Mislabesh Behamiz Bader Umis Asik Imai She Yirzeli his Bader Ainze Shahatachtoin Hamiz Bader Niz Batel Elo Shehumiz Bader Mitadarotin Shaloi Kivan Shagamla Achre Shenis Bader Humitzias the Tachtin the Tachtin the Elian Heim Hafachim Lachain Gamla Achresh and his barer Shayach Sheyanaged Loha Elyin Ubegdeish Yebitla Menaged Hu Ayde Abirur Bederech Melmaila Lamata Dal Yedeishem Is Galah Bahatachtin Gilei Er Sheene Beerech Elov Hu Mizbatel Mimtziusei. There are two models for peace between worldliness and godliness. One is when the world submits to Hashem. This occurs primarily when it is elevated from above through Torah study. When we elevate from below by confronting our own lowliness and thus inspiring our ourselves to grow. Our inherent identity doesn't change. We remain lowly creatures who were persuaded to switch sides. And since we are lowly, we might switch back and turn against Hashem. The only way to change our inherent lowly identity is to be elevated from above through Torah study. When the world's opposition to godliness is overwhelmed by a transcendental, supernal light, its entire identity evaporates and it submits to Hashem. End of text 8. For example, when we close our business on Shabbos and conduct our business without cutting corners. Our worldly business supports our devotion to Yiddishkeit. But there is a downside. Since the business remains a worldly endeavor, it can revert despite our former success. Tomorrow, our business opportunities might tempt us again to cut corners. On the other hand, when we learn Torah and thereby evaporate the world's opposition to Torah, this problem is not a concern. Our Torah study weakens the opposition and its hostility evaporates. But another problem arises. Text 9, the Rebbe Ibid. The other model for peace between worldliness and godliness is when the enemy chooses to become a friend. As the passage states, quote, his enemies will also make peace with him, end quote, Proverbs 16, 7. This is primarily accomplished when we elevate the world by engaging with it directly from below. When the world is elevated from above by the intensity of the Torah's light, its negative identity evaporates, but it doesn't change. Using our animal soul as an example, when the animal soul is exposed to the godly soul's supreme love for Hashem, its natural identity, which is opposed to godliness, evaporates, and it becomes holy. However, this transformation is not brought on by its natural identity. On the contrary, the godly soul needs to evaporate the animal soul's natural identity to allow the animal soul to love Hashem. The only way worldliness itself can make peace with holiness is if we elevate it by engaging with it from below, returning to the analogy of the animal soul when we engage with it and it chooses to love Hashem because it wants to. End of text 9. The objective of Avedas Habirurim is for worldliness to embrace godliness of its own volition. Only this way can we demonstrate that the world is truly a part of Hashem. Tefillah persuades the opposition to embrace godliness, but there is a downside. It retains its identity as an opponent. Torah study evaporates our worldliness, but there is a different downside. Our natural identity is not part of the process. Either way, we don't accomplish the goal of Avedas Habirurim. How
how do we solve this? B. Step 3. Complete rest. Enter step 3 of the program. The third step of the program is for the world to surrender to godliness of its own volition, not because it was persuaded and not because its opposition has evaporated. This is achieved through studying Hasidus. But before we can explain it, we need to back up a little. In the second step of the program, we learned that Talmud and Halacha can overwhelm the world's opposition to godliness, but it can't persuade the world to choose godliness. This is because the Torah must lower itself to speak of worldly matters. Text 10, the Rebbe, Ibid 2, pages 182 through 183. To elevate the world through Talmud and Halacha, we must study about and engage the subjects that we endeavor to uplift. This is one of the reasons the Torah speaks of physical matters, forbidden matters, and even false claims. However, the very fact that the Torah discusses physical matters is a form of lowering, as it were. End of text. 10. What is the impact of the Torah lowering itself? Text 11, the Rebbe Ibid, 6, pages 51 through 52. <speaking in Hebrew> When the Torah lowers itself to the level of worldly matters, it demonstrates that worldliness has at least some standing with the Torah. Therefore, no matter how superior a light the Torah shines upon worldly matters, its opposition to godliness won't evaporate completely. Now, since the Torah elevates the world from above, rather than by engaging with it from below, and since it fails to achieve complete nullification of worldliness, the world retains its hidden oppositional identity even after being uplifted by the Torah. End of text 11. The Torah's light can overwhelm the world, but it can't make the world choose godliness because the world retains its identity even when it is overwhelmed. For the world to choose Hashem of its own volition, the essence of Avedis Habirurim, we need to learn Hasidus. Hasidus doesn't discuss worldly matters. It discusses holy matters, such as godliness and the Neshama. This reveals a light that is so rarefied that it doesn't lower itself to reach this world. It remains on topic in the higher worlds and causes a revolution in this world. Text 12, the Rebbe Ibid 2, pages 182 and 183. <speaking in Hebrew> Studying Talmud and Halacha is considered a somewhat peaceful way to elevate the world, even though the Torah lowers itself to speak of mundane subjects. This is because these subjects, the forbidden matters and false claims, become part of the Torah, the Torah of truth, when they appear in the Torah. Nevertheless, it can't be compared to the way our study of Kabbalah and Hasidus can elevate the world. Since Hasidus is the tree of life that does not engage in the struggle between good and evil, it elevates the world without lowering itself to the world. End of text 12. When we expose the world to this raw truth and pure holiness, the world chooses to embrace godliness of its own volition. It doesn't need to be subdued or persuaded. It submits willingly, drawn to Hashem like a moth to light. Now we have both benefits. The world chooses Hashem of its own volition and relinquishes its status as an opponent of godliness. This sounds like an unattainable utopia, but in fact it has already occurred once in the course of history. Text 13, the Rebbe Ibid 6, pages 5051. <laughs> 
לפני שנמשכו לאלוקוס. כי הגילוי שהעיר עוז מושך אלו וסניצויצויס שבהעמים, בדוגמס אבוקו שמשכס אלו כל הניצויצויס. כיוון שהגילוי שהעיר עוז היו גילוי נעלה ביוסר, לכן גם הניצויצויס שבמקומס הרחוקים נמשכו להגילוי שהעיר על ידי שלומה. כמי שכוסוף ומלכס שבו שמעס את שמע שלומה לשם השם. ותובה ירושלים מלוכים א' פרק י' פסוקים א' בייז. It is known that the nations submitted to שלמה המלך, which is why his era was restful and peaceful, because they were drawn to the infinite light of Hashem that שלמה revealed. Similarly, the true reason people came from among all the nations to hear his wisdom is that they were drawn to godliness. The light of Hashem that radiated at that time drew the sparks of light scattered among the nations as a large fire draws little sparks since the light that was revealed in Shleim HaMelech's era was transcendental, it drew sparks even from distant places. As it is written, and the queen of Sheba heard of Shleim's fame because of Hashem's name, and she came to Yerushalayim. Kings 1, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, etc. C. Step 4, Mashiach, Universal Convergence was Shleimah's era the equivalent of Mashiach? No, Mashiach represents an entirely new era. Text 14, the Rebbe Ibid, 6, page 71. עצמם, אלא מצד זה, שהגילוי משך את הניצוצוס אליו. ולכן נסברו עוז רק ניצוצוס אלו ששייכים להרגיש גילוי אר. והבירור שעל ידי גילוי פנימיאס עתיק הוא שעל ידי הגילוי דפנימיאס עתיק מסגלה בכל דבר שהמציאס שלי גופה היא אליקוס. ולכן לעשות לוי שעוז יהיה הגילוי דפנימיאס עתיק גם הניצוצוס שנחשקו יסעלו ויוכללו בקדושה. ויסיירם מזו, שגם הדבורים הגשמיים עצמם, לא רק הניצוצוס שבהם, יהיו בתכלס ההסאכטוס באליקוס. In Shloimei's era, only the sparks that had some dimension of light were uplifted. But when Mashiach comes, all the sparks will be uplifted. This is because the revelation of Hashem's light in Shloimei's era, Chitzenius Atik, was not experienced within the sparks themselves. Rather, the revelation was outside of them and it drew them in. Therefore, only sparks capable of assimilating light were able to feel the light and be drawn to it. However, when Mashiach comes, there will be such a terrific revelation of Hashem's light, Pinimiyas Atik, that everyone and everything will sense that Hashem is their very identity. Therefore, when Mashiach comes, even sparks that have gone dark will ascend and will be absorbed into holiness. Moreover, even the physical object not just the spiritual sparks within them, will experience absolute convergence with godliness. End of text 14. In more detail, text 15, the Rebbe Ibedem, pages 53 through 54. Pinimiyas atik hu bichlolos atzmos eirinsof. Delega be'atzmos eirinsof, ein shum metzies shechutz mimenu. Ve'ade Rebbe, amitas himotze yezborech, hu hametzies shal kolanim tzoyim. Belochein, al yedei gilu ipnim Mesh <laughs> הגילוי שיהיה לעשות לוי בכל דבר הוא שיסגלה עוז המציאס שלי גופה. When Mashiach comes, the essence of Hashem's infinite light, Pnimiyas Atik, will be revealed. And when that is revealed, nothing can exist outside of him. On the contrary, everyone will sense innately that the truth of Hashem's existence is the existence of everything that exists. Therefore, everything will feel that Hashem is its identity. Accordingly, the state of revelation in the era of Mashiach will be greater in yet another way than the revelation enjoyed in Shloimei's era. The 
revelation of godliness in Shleimei's era, Chitzenius Atik was only experienced as an add-on to their core identity. When Mashiach comes, we will each feel that the revelation of Hashem is our core identity. End of text 15. To summarize the two readings, in Shleimei's era, A. Godliness was revealed outside of oneself. Therefore, B. Only those who could appreciate godliness were drawn in. And C. Even they only experienced godliness as an added dimension. When Mashiach comes, we will A. Sense godliness within ourselves. Therefore, B. We will all, including the darkened sparks and the physical, experience it. And C. We won't just experience it, we will become it. Section 3. Living with Mashiach A. Total Convergence Though this convergence will only be visible when Mashiach comes, it is also true today. And here we come to this month's lesson of living with a Mashiach mindset. One of the integral parts of living with Mashiach is to live with this reality today as we will when it will be fully revealed. Moreover, living with this reality today will accelerate its revelation. The Rebbe's four-step program trained us for this month's key aspect the second in our series of the Mashiach mindset. The Rebbe taught us from the beginning of his Nesias that the entire world is inseparable from Hashem. There aren't two paradigms, created and creator, which sometimes get along and sometimes don't. Only one truth exists, and everything that exists is a part of that one truth. Therefore, the Rebbe urged us to perceive the physical world as one with Hashem, even during Golos, when the world, or at least parts of it, appears to conflict with Hashem. Consider the following two examples. Text 16, the Rebbe Sefer Asichis 5752, volume 1, page 191.. Today, it is possible to actually help and assist others instantaneously. This means that we don't merely inform others of our intention to help them and then make them wait a long while or at least a short while, a day or an hour until they actually receive our assistance. The latest technology allows us to transfer money to a bank, a furniture store or grocery store on another's behalf and the actual assistance arrives instantaneously even to the other end of the world. This is also one of the primary purposes for which the satellite was developed. It was to increase the unity of the human race, which enables us to help each other, even from a distance. This refers both to physical assistance and spiritual assistance by increasing our efforts throughout the world in matters of justice, righteousness, peace, and unity. End of text 16. Text 17, Ibid, page 189. Over the past few years, a tradition was established to hold public Hanukkah candle lightings on a global scale by use of a satellite. 
since everything that Hashem created in His world, He created only for His glory, of a 611. It is self-understood that this refers to all technological developments that were discovered and revealed in the recent past. Their purpose and goal are to enhance Hashem's glory by using them for holy purposes, for purposes of Teirah and Mitzvah. The same applies to utilizing the satellite for Hashem's glory. The satellite allows us to watch with our physical eyes as a Jewish child kindles Hanukkah lights in a single location and lights up the entire world in a single moment because it is visible throughout the world. Moreover, anyone who chooses to, not only Jews but also non-Jews, can activate their devices and watch the kindling of the Hanukkah lights. End of text 17. Today, with the advent of the internet and social media, such things have become more prevalent and much easier. Today, we can accomplish all that and more with the simple click of a touch screen on our handheld smartphones. B. Every satellite becomes a center. It is interesting that when the Rebbe organized Hanukkah Live, he made sure that the Hanukkah lights be kindled not only in one holy location, but in many locations across the world. This too is consistent with the convergence that we will experience in the times of Mashiach. Text 18, the Rebbe Sefer Amamari Mulukid, Volume 6, Page 71. The Birur Another difference between the elevation of the world in the days of Shlomo and the convergence that we will experience in the times of Mashiach. In Shlomo's days, the sparks among the nations were only purified when they came to Shlomo, not prior to their arrival. Although the light revealed by Shlomo reached and attracted sparks in distant places, nevertheless, they only experienced their purification when they came to Shlomo. This can be inferred from the Queen of Sheba, who heard about Shlomo but had to come to Yerushalayim and only then experienced her elevation. This is because their purification was not experienced internally. Rather, it was inspired by a light that irritated them from the outside. Therefore, they could only be purified when they came to the light. The convergence that we will experience in the times of Mashiach will be experienced organically. It will occur because the true identity of everything in existence will be revealed. Therefore, I will then convert the nations as they are and in their locations to serve Hashem of one accord. Tzfania 3, 9. End of text 18. Accordingly, text 19, the Rebbe Ibid, page 72. The Indian Yafutsu Mainesecha Chutsohu, Shegam Bibchinas Chutso, Yihiyu, Ubeifin de Hafotse, Leirak Hamayim Chaim, Shenim Shochim Meha Mayonis, Aldere Hagili de Chitsenius Attic, Shehoya Bimesh Leme, Sheikra Gili Hoya Birushalayim, Ella Sheha Ora Mimenu Nimshaha Gamlim Kemis Horekim, Ella Hamayonis Atzmom, Bayidezen is Gala Hamitsias da Chutsa Atzme, Shamitas Mitsiuse, Heim Hamayonis. The intention of spreading the wellsprings to the outside is not only that the spring water from the wellsprings reach the outside, similar to the revelation in the days of Shleimah, which was primarily in Yerushalayim and its reflection reached distant places. Rather, the wellsprings themselves must be placed outside. This will reveal that the true identity of the places we used to call outside is that of the wellsprings. End of text 19. It used to be that one or two holy places served as a source of light for the entire world. When Mashiach comes, all places will be holy, because all things in all places will be aware that Hashem is their only identity. Inasmuch as this can already be felt today, it might be why Hanukkah Live was not merely broadcast from the Rebbe's shul or from Eretz Yisrael to the rest of the world. It was broadcasted from the entire world to the entire world. Another example is the Rebbe's instruction to print the Tanya in every location across the 
world. Every place should become a center from which Hasidus is disseminated. Moreover, no place should be viewed as a distant location that can only absorb a watered-down version of Torah. The entire Tanya, the wellspring itself, was printed everywhere because every place is Elikus Mamish, a veritable part of godliness. It is time for us to stop thinking in terms of in-town and out-of-town, places where it is easier to speak and act Jewishly, and places where it is harder, places where people are more receptive, and places where people are less receptive. In the era that the Rebbe called high time for Mashiach, there is no such thing. Mashiach will reveal that every part of the world is part of Hashem. And to make this happen, we need to adopt a Mashiach mindset by bringing the wellspring itself to every part of the world. See, buy local. For many years, the Rebbe sent Shluchim to places across the globe and asked them to settle there permanently. In 5752, the Rebbe explained that this Shlichus initiative, the idea of settling long-term in a community, is a Mashiach initiative. In the words of the Sikha from Parshas Vayeshev, 5752, which we are studying this month. Text 20, the Rebbe Sefer Asikhis, 5752, pages 175 through 176. The Meile in them was Eden Verem Bis 
ist in dem zugekommen noch mehr, bis unser Dörr, wo Iden gefunden sich bechol Katzwei Tevel Mamisch, und seinen dort Mekayim Teiro und Mitzwes, und beifen schall his Slapschuss, lef ihm in Hoge Hamokim, bis, als sie haben aufgebaut, und seine Mamschich aufbauen, meistens schall Teiro und Mitzwes, bechol Mokim und Mokim lef ihn Jonik. Schaas betracht sich herein in dem Afilo, lerega Kal, set men dem Uftu von unser Dörr, legabi Frie de Kedörres, in dem, was man hat, dem Bierer Versichung von Kol Medina und Medina Shaba Elam. Weil Pia meduberle Il, verkamme pa Omim, as leit alles im Monim, wat men schein verendigt alle Berurim, is muvan, ver was mahalt schein bei der Geula. There is a benefit to Jews being scattered throughout the world and settled in so many countries around the world. In the manner of Hashem's blessing to Yaakov, and you shall spread out to the west, the east, the north, and the south, Genesis 28:14. When we settle and invest ourselves in all the countries around the world and acclimate ourselves in each country according to local conventions, settling and dwelling in a particular country and conducting ourselves according to local customs in a manner permitted by the Torah, we can refine and purify these countries from below, each according to its unique character. This way, we create a dira betachtoinim in the plural sense in each location according to its parameters. This can't happen when we visit a country for a short while or exert influence upon it from a distance. It is not the same as when we set down roots in the country and become familiar with its customs. Aside from this, settling in augments the success of our work. The reason, according to the Torah, that there are varying customs in different countries is that each country has unique characteristics, climate, culture, etc. Therefore, when we conform to local customs which are suited to the unique characteristics of the country, our work is more successful. Our conduct must, therefore, reflect the norms of the countries in which we reside, and we must utilize its customs in our service of Hashem. This strategy yields greater success on a local level. In this respect, there are two facets, which are in fact two stages to our work in every place across the world. The first is to work with our students to bring holiness to their location in a manner that is tailored to their unique requirements. However, this can be done in a way that the student always remains a recipient, always receiving from above from the teacher. There is a better way. That is when we refine and purify the recipient's location until it, with all its distinctive characteristics, becomes a center of Torah and mitzvahs. This is accomplished by establishing local institutions that promote Torah, tefillah, and acts of kindness, synagogues, and study halls, etc. This way, these locations become spiritually self-sufficient and don't depend on the support of a more advanced location. Moreover, not only can this location become self-sufficient as it were, we can also work to reveal this lower location's hidden strengths until it becomes a reflection of Hashem's essence, a dwelling place for Hashem's essence. This way, local Jews can contribute on their own initiative to Teira and Mitzvahs according to the unique customs and practices that distinguishes their place from all others. In this context, we can appreciate the achievements of our generation compared to previous generations. In earlier generations, Jews were not as widely dispersed across the globe as we are today. Not only in the times of the Beis HaMikdosh, when Jews were concentrated in Eretz Yisrael and its environs, but also in the initial generations of the Diaspora, when Jews were transplanted to a limited number of countries, mostly in the Eastern Hemisphere. By contrast, in the generations that followed, the Jews dispersed to many more countries until they reached the Western Hemisphere, America, etc. With each passing generation, Jews dispersed even further until our era, when Jews can be found in literally every part of the world, observing Torah and mitzvahs in concert with the customs of their respective locations, to the extent that Jews have established and continue to establish institutions of Torah and mitzvahs in every location according to its culture. If one thinks about this even briefly, one can see this generation's unprecedented achievement. Every country in the world has been purified and refined. And in light of the statement that I have often made, that according to all indicators, we have completed all the refinements necessary for the Giula, we can understand why we are ready for the Giula. End of text 20. Mashiach's role is not only to reveal that every location in the world is a full-fledged center and source of holiness, but also that every center is a unique source of holiness that can enrich others. It is unique because the Torah is taught there through the worldly prisms of local culture and customs. This is revealed today by Shluchim, who lay down roots in their Mokim HaShlichis, learn the language and absorb the culture when they teach Torah in local dialect 
and idioms and utilize local culture and interests and cuisine in their program offerings, worldliness in general and the worldly aspects of their locale in particular become touch points for godliness. Thus, the Shlichus enterprise is revealed as a Mashiach enterprise. The very model that the Rebbe established for Shlichus helps to bring Mashiach. D. French liberties. This explains why France, which is the subject of the Sicha we are studying this month, has become a thriving center of Yiddishkeit. As Mashiach approaches, every part of the world is not only an instrument for holiness, but a veritable part of Hashem. No place is beyond the pale. On the contrary, every place can serve as a unique source of holiness and provide a unique form of inspiration to all places. One of the primary strains of French culture is that of liberty. In the days of the Alter Rebbe, French liberties posed an obstacle to Yiddishkeit. Today, these very liberties present us with a unique aspect of Yiddishkeit, namely that in the era of Mashiach, liberties are no longer utilized to flee holiness and commitment. Today, liberties can and should be utilized for holy purposes. Today, the world is filled with democracies in which people enjoy privileges, liberties, and rights, while the mores and values of these cultures are not yet always in line with the Torah. The fact is that there are thriving centers of Yiddishkeit in almost each of these democracies. This is the greatest and highest indicator that the world has changed. The world has become more Mashiachdik. Mashiach is about to be revealed. So it is time to live with Mashiach. End of theme two, New Age.